worship you. You are there. But especially when we're together, do you inhabit our praises. We love you, Lord. We're here to worship you. We're here to magnify your name. We're here to hear your truth. Oh, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Let all that is within me praise his holy name. Let your soul bless the Lord today. Let all that is within you praise his holy name, for he's so worthy. He's so worthy of our praises. We thank you, Jesus, for restoration, for salvation. When we were in worship, I felt the Lord wanted to encourage someone here that you're one truth away from freedom. There's someone here, you're one truth away from freedom. Jesus said, I came in the world, I was born and came into the world for this reason, to testify to the truth. And whoever's on the side of truth listens to my voice. He also said, the, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Not might set you free, not could set you free, but when you know the truth, it shall set you free. I thank you, truth isn't philosophy, truth is a person. It's Jesus Christ. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And we worship that truth tonight. We worship you, Jesus. You are the truth. And I thank you for your spirit, for your Holy Spirit, that it testifies to the truth, that it guides us into all truth, that there's a father of lies but you are the father of truth and no lie can withstand your light and your truth as the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't comprehend it we thank you for your truth tonight lord that it sets people free that lies are demolished tonight the strongholds are broken by your truth over minds, over hearts, over circumstances and situations. We thank you for your truth. That freedom reigns here tonight because of your truth, because of your presence and because of your spirit. We love you, Lord, and we give you glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand. Come on. It's good to be with you all. Welcome. You can take your seats. Awesome. So just a few announcements before Pastor Tony brings the word. Kids ages four and up are welcome to join the kids' church just through that door. Uh, once they're all through, that door will be closed. And if you need to see them, please go around the side and use the other door. There is another service going on when we're finishing up here. There is another service going on downstairs. So just be mindful of that as you're exiting the building. Just want to um, respect their service. And um, we are on again on Wednesday nights at um, 7.30. So please join us there. 
Pastor Ravi will be preaching on Wednesday. And um, there is a, um, a offering box up the back to anyone who feels led to give tonight. That is up the back near the door. Um, yeah, I just thought I'd point that out. But um, who's excited to, to hear from Pastor Tony tonight? You know, love Pastor Tony, love the truth that he brings and really believe that people will be set free tonight. Who agrees with me? Yeah, so let's welcome up Pastor Tony. Test one, two. Yeah. Um, when I first got saved, I walked into an environment like this. I didn't know what to expect because it was very foreign to what I was used to. I used to call myself, uh, someone asked me once, what denomination did you come out of? I said, the CPC religion. What is, what's CPC? So I was a car park Catholic. I told my mum I'm going to church, to Mass, and I sit in the car park, and that was good enough. <laughs> and the reality is, I had no idea what I was talking about or what I believed. I believed that Jesus was Lord. But I didn't have the revelation and the understanding. And so when I got into an environment like this, I used to, see people with notepads or these days it's all tablets and phones and that. And I just think, well, what are they doing going to school? I hate school. But then I realized very quickly in those days, there was so much information and be honest with you, you couldn't retain as much as what, especially when you first come into this presence. Now in any message that you ever hear when the anointing comes, when the anointing of God comes, there'll be something that sticks out in the message or something that you... The Holy Spirit magnifies in you, and you think, wow, I never knew that. Or, wow, what's yeah, something that God illuminates in your spirit. And God is speaking to us. Can someone say amen? We don't, we don't serve a dead God who stops speaking. God is speaking to us. Because I've shared this before, that in the latter days, there'll be a famine in the land. And it won't be for food or drink. But it won't even be for the word. It'll be the hearing of the word. And the Bible says so repeatedly, who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And 
So I encourage you, and if, you, if, if you're not that way inclined, that's okay. Go back and listen to the messages. The last three, four weeks I've been speaking in conjunction of what Rabbis has been preaching on in, a, in what the Lord's been leading us about the body of Christ. And we talked about sheep, that we're sheep. We talked about the, the church being the structure where the Holy Spirit can move through. He ordained apostles, prophets, preachers, teachers, and evangelists. And we, we spoke about things like that. We talked about last week that we're the bride of Christ. The bride speaks of intimacy to produce sons in a, in, a, in a parable setting, if you know, if lack of a better word. So God's building something special in us and as a body. And I want to share something with you. Let's read this, and then I want to talk about a few things. So tonight, I really want to just share my heart in this. There's a parable I'm going to read a bit later, which my understanding of it and what I was taught was, was a certain way. But when God starts to stir your heart about something and he starts to unravel it, you start to realize that some things that we interpret are very wrong. Not enough to get you to hell, but enough to say that there's some things God's trying to show us. And Paul said it this way, I want to give you meat, but I have to give you milk. I want to give you meat like a mature, but you're carnal. You're so like babies. And then the milk of the word is beautiful, but God wants to go a bit deeper. Remember when Jesus said, there's a lot more I want to show you disciples. But you can't bear to hear it. You, you, you won't understand that. You won't fathom it. But when the Holy Spirit comes, I'll be able to do that. And us as a church, your job isn't to come here every Sunday or every Wednesday, tick a box, say, I've gone to church and you're going to heaven. You know, we share this a lot. If you read the scripture pretty much, it says people that are being saved. Now, we've got this modern day technology. We give our life to Jesus we're saved. And I'm not saying you're not. The first step to salvation is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, amen? To repent of our sin. He, to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, not just my Savior. And then the Bible talks about they were called the people of the way or people on the way because they were getting saved. They were in the process. Like Rabbi shares a lot, it's not how you start but how you finish. Paul says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I kept the faith. He didn't say, I stopped fighting, I couldn't complete the race, and I lost my faith. Because if you could, if you were saying that I fought the good fight, I finished the race and I kept the faith, then the opposite is true. You can get derailed, you can take get taken out, you could stop for whatever circumstances, whatever reason. It doesn't say God doesn't love you, it says the fullness of God in you does not dwell anymore. We have this idea that. The Bible says that the gifts are God without repentance. And it's true. God gives us gifts on our life, not because we deserve it, because he ordains it. But we have this tendency to think, oh, I can still live in sin. I can still do whatever I want, be disobedient and still have the gifts. I'm sorry, you won't. The gifts are always there, but they stop working. There's That, that scripture really says, I'm not sorry I gave you a gift. But what you do with that gift is very... And I can share a thousand stories of men and women of God that got taken out because of disobedience, un unaccountability, uh, people that thought they, were, they had it all worked out. So, but that's not my message tonight so much, but it's, it's about bringing maturity. God's trying to bring maturity into his people and to his church. Amen. I'm speaking to you. If you're visiting here, welcome. But I'm speaking specifically to the people that belong here, that are going on the direction where God's taken us. 
and we're not moving course, we're not changing plans, we don't care what anyone else is doing. The biggest problem in the church today, they see a church doing it one way, they want to copy them. It's derailed so many churches because their leadership is what someone's success, not what the Holy Spirit's doing. I had people come to us, we had a meeting many years ago, someone came from a big church and said, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. They've got 3,000 people, they've got 2,000 youth and all this stuff. And I got sick of hearing it. I said, when's the last time you saw a demon come out? When's the last time you saw a healing? When's the last time you seen the prophetic word flow? Dead quiet. I said, you can have your 3,000. Because I want to see what the Spirit of God's doing, amen? And I'm not putting anyone down. I would just say, I'm led by the Holy Spirit. I'm not interested in what your philosophy is or what someone else is doing. That's awesome. I, I champion whatever God's doing out there. Every church that preaches the name of Jesus, we should be praying for. But I'm on the course, Rab's on the course, we're on the course to where God's taken us. And I want to share this with you. So let's read Matthew 9.35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing everyone that was sick with sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and they were scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. You probably heard that taught that the harvest field is the lost. And in a, in a sense it is where our job is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. A lot of people don't realize that he's talking about that the harvest is ripe, but I'm here to tell you that the lost aren't ripe. The lost have matured. What he's actually speaking about a div. This parable is less about the lost, but more about the laborers. The laborers are, if you have a look at that, he says that there are people that are scattered because they're people without a shepherd. The laborers in this context, he's talking about the shepherds. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Who is the Lord of the harvest in our opinion? God the Father. Jesus is our Lord, yes. But the Lord is... God the Father, he owns the fields. Jesus himself was planted on this earth. True? Jesus said, let's go to John chapter 12 and we'll read this. And I'll explain this and I'll bring this. Because God's looking for a harvest. Any farmer, that anyone here likes farming or gardening? One, two, three, four, five. I'm not talking about flowers. and I'm talking about rural farmers. <laughs> when a farmer sows seed and the minute the crop starts to grow, whether it's potatoes, whether it's uh, tomatoes, whether it's whatever, corn, he doesn't harvest it when it just sprouts out, does he? Just because it comes out of the ground or an apple on a tree, oh, look, there's an apple, quick, get it. Because it's not ripe, it's not ready for harvest. So what does, a, what does a farmer do? He only harvests something when it's ready to be harvested or when it's ripe or matured. Are you with me? Now, the lost aren't ripe. They're ripe to receive the kingdom. But here he's talking about the issue is that the people are ready, but there's no laborers. We look at that from an evangelistic point of view. But I'm here to tell you, if a thousand people got saved tomorrow and they walked into this door, who would disciple them? 
Who's really willing here now to drop everything to be taught by God to disciple the next person? Because the Bible doesn't say go into all the world and make converts. The Bible says don't go into all the world to convert. Anyway, it says go into all the world and make disciples. Disciples is people that are trained in the discipline of Christ. The laborers here are talking about the Holy Spirit coming down upon people to disciple. And we'll, we'll talk about this in a minute. But look what Jesus says in 12.23. But Jesus answered them saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, and it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and who who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Where I am, and my servants will also be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor. Here he's talking about his life. If you keep reading, he says, if the Son of Man be lifted up. He's saying, I'm going to sow my life. See, if you understand that a seed has life in it, any seed you get has a life in it. The image of the seed is inside. So whatever that seed is, that little seed could be a big palm tree. That little seed could be an apple tree, an orchard, or whatever. But the life in that seed is in there. But while it stands alone, it's useless. It cannot produce nothing. The earth of the ground has no life in it. There's no life in the dirt. But there's nutrients that could produce to allow life to be produced. Are you with me? Jesus comes onto this earth and the Bible says that if I read, because if you have a look at the context of John chapter 12, the Greeks came to celebrate in the feast. The Greeks were the philosophers and they sought out the disciples and said, we're not talking to this Jesus. We're hearing some great things about him. And he comes up to him and says, Lord, the Greeks are here. And he says, unless a kernel of wheat falls down and dies. He's not interested in their philosophy. He's not interested in me. He's saying, I'm going to die. And they're not understanding a word he's saying. See, Christ, the soil of a ground, any ground, farmers know this. If there's no seed in the ground, guess what happens? Just because it's got the potential to produce something, it won't produce anything until something is sowed. Are you with me? If the seed has life in it, and so look at the potential of this seed. Look at the potential of this seed. You know, in every church, there's potential, and it's a seed form, but it hasn't been planted. But I go to church. But are you planted of the Lord in the ground? Have you died to yourself there? Have you died? Are you buried? And have you risen with him to produce and to, to, to bear the fruit that God wants in you? Anything that God plants, it comes to fruition. He goes, it must bear fruit. It must bear fruit. It comes to, another word you can say, it comes to maturity. So you heard it that Jesus is not coming back for a bride with spot and blemish. Well, if Jesus is not coming back for the church until it stops sinning, he's not coming back. Pretty quiet here in this church tonight. When are we ever going to see a church no more sin, no more sprinkle, no more? I don't think you're going to see it because mankind will always fall. He's not looking for a perfect church. He's looking for a bride that's submitted and he presents her perfect. He's looking for a church that's mature. See, nothing happens out of, nothing comes out of coincidence. See, God puts order in the church. We've been speaking about order. 
accountability, which is speaking about, and I've heard it all, and I've even said it, I'm accountable to God and no man. Beautiful. That's why all my mates that said that are all lost right now. Some are actually denied the faith, and one's preaching against the faith because they weren't accountable. See, we are all accountable to God. We are. Amen? If you're not first accountable to God, forget going to church. You just joined the club. But God puts apostles, prophets, preachers, teachers of it for a reason, for the edification of the church. See, my job today, and I'm an evangelist at heart, put me in the street, I'll preach to anyone, I'll talk to anyone. I can make friends with everybody. But where God starts to grow you and mature, he says, now I want you to impart what you know to the body of Christ, to your fellow brethren. Doesn't mean I don't preach and teach outside, but I'm not interested in some bloke three blocks down the road because he wants to get prayer because he's been living a life of sin and get saved. That's your job in this moment in time. You are the true evangelist. The Bible says you do the work of the evangelist. Church is not growing. When's the last time you invited someone to church? When's the last time you shared the gospel? Forget inviting to church. When's the last time you shared your faith, shared the gospel? When's the last time you spent time in prayer and heard from the Holy Spirit that your next door neighbor struggling? The other night I was in prayer on Wednesday night. I text two people. God placed them on my heart. One's here, one's not. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. Two people. Send them a text. How you doing? Everything okay? Those two people had doctor's appointments the very next day. So God just put me a word of encouragement. I didn't know exactly what's happening in their world. I just was led by the Holy Spirit. I know enough to know that if I get a prompting in my heart, I don't have to have angels come down from heaven. I don't need lightning bolts. I don't need to do the electric boogaloo to find out that the Holy Spirit's upon me. I just know that when he puts something in my heart, I'm going to go with it. Oh, but what if you're wrong? I'll be a fool for God. I'll be a fool for God. Because it's understanding that maturity. So when a plant gets sowed in the ground, guess what? It starts to sprout out. Let's go to Mark 4.26. And he said, who said? Jesus. The kingdom of God is a man who should scatter seed on the ground. And he should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields its crops by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts the sickle because of the harvest is come. Talking about corn here. Another translation says, first the blade. You've got a picture of that corn. King James would say it that way. First the blade, then inside the corn, and then the ear of the corn, the Bible says, or the ear, then, then the ear of the corn. First the blade. Imagine a farmer comes one day and he's planted seed and then it's all grown to there. Quick, let's go harvest it. It's the sickle. The sickle is a, a knife that's curved like that and he just, they just chop wheat, chop cane, chop, and chops it off and they get the harvest. And imagine if a farmer harvests it when it hasn't fully matured, what was the point? Is there any benefit? Who's, who's eaten an apple that's not ripe or an orange that's not ripe or a strawberry? It's disgusting. Only the lips, they eat hoch, you know, hoch, the plums. They're green and they get salt and they put it with it. Only weeders, they'll eat something that's not ripe. But then we used to raid the tree next door. We used to have a tree next door and he used to wait for his plums to grow. When they got green, we'd just take the kill. He said, what happened to my tree? But normal people, 
When it's not ripe, there's no, the harvest is not. If I'm in the farming business and I want to grow corn, and the minute they grow up, I cut it and take it, how am I going to sell it? How am I going to eat it? What's the point? Jesus was speaking here in Mark. He's saying, it's going to get soaked into the ground. Go back to the um, 28, sorry, 27. And he should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed shall sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. He's saying here, I don't know how things happen in the kingdom of God, because he's talking about the kingdom of God here. But I need to know that when I sow my life into the kingdom, some things are going to grow in me. Some things are going to sprout out in me. The problem is we get a little bit of a prophecy. We lay hands on one person. We might get a word of knowledge, and then that's it. We're, we're in the ministry. Let's go take on the world. I had a guy who came and he prayed for one guy. He got healed. He's, I've got the gift of healing. And no, you don't. You've prayed for someone who got healed. That's what every job, every person here can pray for someone who's sick and get healed. That's the work of the body. But you're not, you don't have the gift of healing. That's an office that God puts. No, I do. I go, bro, you don't have it. What, you, you don't. He wouldn't listen. Every week, I pray for another person who got healed. Praise God. Come. No, no, no. One day he went, come back. He goes, I've got a problem. He goes, what's the problem? Well, I went out because I've got the gift of healing. He goes, you don't have the gift of healing. Pray for people that got healed. Praise God. I love your zeal. But make sure you don't get out of the will of God. He goes, well, what's your problem? Because I went out in the street, started praying for people in the street. I took my 12-year-old with me, or 10-year-old. She's been getting attacked by demons ever since that night. I said, so why would you take your girl into the battlefield when you yourself are out of order? Yeah, you prayed for two, three people, and God did a work. That doesn't give you the office and the anointing to go out into the streets and do whatever you want and how you want it without any accountability. See, I would have told you not to pull you back and say you can't do this because you can't, but I'm not going to allow you as a brother or sister in the Lord who's immature. I don't send my five-year-old son to say, everything I have is yours. Here's the keys to the car and give him the keys to the car so he can drive and kill himself. And he went out in the street and the girl's going to get in the attack. He thought he had the gift. He thought he made it because... It just sprouted. And God's saying, hang on, but I want full maturity. The farmer does not harvest until its fullness comes. You can say it this way. Until I come to maturity in Christ, you don't come to maturity sitting on your own. God's put people in your world to shape you, mold you, edify you, lift you up, protect you. But I've got it worked out. I can do what I want. No, you can't. You get taken out. And you know what happens is you get harvest too early. And guess what happens to you? You fall away because there's no fruit. There's no benefit. There's no nutrients. In 1910, who's ever heard of the Azusa Street Revival? Okay, so in 1910, there was a man by the name of William Seymour. This man was a black man in a time where blacks and whites were segregated even in the church. He actually had to learn Bible college outside the church, sitting outside the window because they wouldn't let him in the church. How do you call that a Bible college? I don't know. He sat outside the church and he was learning from the window. They let him stay outside the window and he was hearing the, the lecturer's lecture. Well, God anointed this man and he started a revival in a church in a street in Azusa, Azusa Street in America. Forget the city. And every night God's spirit would fall. To the point where people like yourself sitting there would just could not sit anymore, couldn't stand. You're just basically out in the spirit. The cloud would fall into the building. Kids testify who are six and seven and eight years old were playing with the cloud. And they turn around and they see a lady come in the wheelchair and walk out. Healing, signs and wonders. It was a, probably the one of the 
the, the revival, and it happened many places in the world, but at that time, it was the revival that sparked the Pentecostal movement, if you like, in the Western world. And from that, many people went out and started AOG and COC and all these four squares and Calvary. They all come out of this baptism. It was like a Pentecost baptism. There was a story where William was uh, praying in the upstairs of this building. He was just praying in the spirit and praying in tongues. And, and a Jewish guy wanted to know what's going on because he was a scholar. and said, this is all demonic, this is all witchcraft, it's all heretic. So he comes in, walks in, tries to find someone, walks upstairs, walks in the room, and the guy's just got his hands back turned. And he's praying, and all of a sudden the guy is standing there, he turns around, can I help you? He goes, you speak Hebrew? He goes, no. He goes, I heard you speak ancient Hebrew, the things of God. He goes, Jesus is the Messiah. And he bowed down and he worshipped and he gave his life to Jesus. This is the power of God that was happening three and a half years. The fire brigade would get called every week because they thought the building was on fire. It was a mighty move of God. And there's so many testimonies from this place. He would sit there and put a box on his head, a cardboard box. <laughs> he goes, why is he doing that? Because he didn't want to be known. He didn't want to be seen that was him. It was God. He was just leading it. They had prayer meetings. Not one minute, two minutes. They had two, three, four, five, six hour prayer meeting. They were preparing themselves. They were allowing the Holy Spirit to prepare them. Yes, God put a stalk out of the ground, but they wanted to come to maturity in the body of Christ because this went for two, three, three and a half years. People talk about it all the time. A lot of the churches that started from there have walked away from the foundation. But I want to put up here, if you don't mind, AJ. So it was in 1910. Now, William... Seymour, towards the end of the revival, God says, I'm starting to shut it down and send people out. He gave two prophecies. Now, prophecy in the Bible is the testimony. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Amen. But prophecy in its general sense is for the church to edify the church, to give us a warning, to give us a direction, to give us a, a, a mission. It's good for exaltation, correction, and edification. That's what the prophecy is for. Okay? I've had many in my life that have are now coming to pass. So it's not about I'm going to get a new car, a new house, and the lotto numbers are 6, 3, 9, 10, 11, and supplementary is 21. That's not that. That's witchcraft and that's uh, mid -year. Look what he says. This is a letter. William Seymour stood up and said, A hundred years from now, there will come a revival that will make one... This one looked pale to comparison. He was saying in 100 years, this is 1910, in 100 years' time, there's going to be a move of God that makes his, what happened to him look like nothing. There's a prophetic word on these last days. God's bringing in the harvest of people. But he's wanting his church to be mature enough to receive the harvest in order for him to do it. Most of the time, the church has derailed what God's trying to do because of ignorance, because of greed, because of in lack of integrity and all these things. But look at the three warnings before this prophecy. One of the things in the, he said this will happen in, but around that time, you have to watch out for, look, the overemphasis on the power gifts instead of righteousness. Have you heard, oh, I've got the gift of, I've got the Holy Ghost, I've got the gift of power, and he covers me no matter if I sin or not. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. Well, it doesn't matter if I sin, I'll just repent and go again. But it's all about the power of God. God's still using me even though I'm not right. Yeah, but he wants you right. That's the first thing. The second thing is an overemphasis on praise to God they no longer pray to. 
the biggest market today is Christian worship. And there's a new song every day to meet quotas to sell more albums. And that's not worship. See, worship is when God places a word. I'm not saying they're not worshiping God, but I'm saying a worship or praise is when God drops something in your spirit and you cry out of your heart and sing about him, not your struggles. You see, this is amazing when I read this five, six years ago, maybe 10 years ago, but now even more. How many worship leaders have fallen now and going public and saying, I don't believe what I believed anymore. The same person that would bring heaven down is now questioning his faith publicly. Or he's saying, how can it be a loving God if he's sending people to hell? Or people running off with the other worship leader and all this sort of garbage. Why? Because we've turned praising God and I'm a man who loves praise because if you want to go to heaven, that's all they're doing. They're singing praises to God. But the actual fact that the worship is about Jesus and what he wants, not what we want. We turn the worship into see what style should we sing today to make sure you're happy. God's not interested in what you're happy with. Because let's say we sing songs that make you happy, make me happy. And Jesus is not here. Good luck. You feel good. But if we get praises and worship that he wants led by the Holy Spirit, that's why some of the old songs are like, How Great Thou Art, and I Exalt Thee, an Amazing Grace. You can sing them in a pub and people start crying. Why? Because they're anointed by God. Not every worship song is from God, people. It's not about the worship. Because worship and lights and smoke machines don't bring God's presence. It's the heart of the attitude to Him. Are you with me? The third thing, an overemphasis on the gifts of the Spirit instead of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Isn't that been Rabs' message for the last six years? We want the benefits of the kingdom, but not the pain that we have to go through. We want God's love and mercy and grace to give us the gift so I can work in the power of God and the presence of God. We're not willing to sacrifice one thing in our life for it. Oh, but it's by grace, Tony. Goes, yeah, it's by grace, but I have a flesh I've got to contend with. I've got a devil knocking on my door every day. When this three warnings was 100 years ago, how much, how much is that relative now? So this is not picking on anyone. This is watching our hearts right now. Have we fully matured? Can God give us as a harvest, as a laborer, to go get the lost? Some people want to go get the lost, and they haven't still sorted out some of this. That one guy who come out of the world, and everyone he brought was a girl. I think he got issues, bro. No, I don't. Go, go and seek and say, how come the last 10 people you brought were girls? He wasn't allowed to minister in my ministry anymore. Sit down and learn. No, he left. Go. I'm not, my job is to protect the sheep, not to satisfy your ego. I'm not interested in how much you know about the Bible. I'm not interested in how much heaven falls down on you. But I'm protecting the sheep. Not everyone gets up and ministers and does what they want because the problem is this. The enemy can work through people even in the body of Christ. And I can show you this a thousand times. And I'm not pointing my finger at anyone here. All I'm saying is he wants us to come to maturity, but we have to be planted of the Lord in the soil of the Lord, in the kingdom of God. He brings the harvest. You have to build a capacity to learn from him. I don't care what anyone else is doing. What is God telling you to do? What is God speaking to you about your family? Had this issue once with a guy who came out of a ministry and, and I believe that everything is spiritual. I believe that you know, certain things that happen in your life that we sowed, but also believe that we live in a fallen world and things happen. 
Is this guy? No, this is the reason. So because he prayed for someone once and they had unforgiveness and they had arthritis and he prayed for them and they forgave and the arthritis left. So he now made it that every person that's got arthritis is unforgiveness. You can't do that. That's just blanketing everything. Got himself into a lot of trouble. But God's here to understand that we are here as the body of Christ here to grow in him. He's looking for mature people so he can Maturity means I can give you more. I can harvest you and take you upon. I can't give you the meat I want because you're still babies. I have to ask myself a question. Is that me? Just because I stand up here and I sing and dance for you, that I've got it worked out. I haven't got it worked out. Because as you grow, guess what happens? Sun hits, rain comes, the wind comes, the birds of the air come. There's an attack on you to prevent you from growing. And the quicker I submit to him. See, Jesus saved me through his blood, amen? You all agree? Can't buy it, can't inherit it, can't earn it. I could have to receive it by faith. So his saving power saved me. And on the road to be complete, but he's my Lord. And now now he owns me. And he directs my path. I'm not interested. He's not interested in me doing what I want. He's interested. Me doing what he wants. Are you listening? Is it making any sense? Because we don't know the path that God puts us on. See, God wants to get us to maturity so he can give you the things of the kingdom. Imagine if, listen to this. Imagine if the disciples really knew what they were going to go through to follow Jesus. Would they still have followed him? Look at this. This is funny. Not funny. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20. Just to all the mums out there. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him and with her sons and kneeling down and asking something from him. And she said to her, and he said to her, What do you wish? She said, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you're asking. You are, are you able, are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and the baptism with the uh, baptized, with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with? They said to him, we are able. Next. So he said to them, you will indeed drink on my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I have and baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and to my left is not for mine to give, but is for those who is prepared by my father. The mum, you know who the sons of Zebedee are? John and John and James. We we all know what John went through, do we not? John was the only disciple that did not get killed for his faith, but he suffered for his faith. He was locked on the Isle of Patmos in jail. Uh, the Bible talks about him getting, history tells us they put him in boiling oil. He didn't burn. He got excommunicated from his area. He got pushed out in the outskirts. He went for a lot, but who knows what happened to James? Got killed. You know how? That was Thomas. I don't know. I'm asking you. No, I'm joking. Imagine 
Mummy D, Mummy D here, history tells us that John and James were Jesus' cousins. I don't know from what side. But Mummy D was probably Jesus' auntie from, you know, she said, let my boys, she knelt down before him and said, let my boys be on your right and on your left. Let my boys do. He goes, do you really know what you're asking? He goes, indeed, they will suffer for me. But who sits on my right and on my left? Imagine, because the next verse says, go to 24. I like this bit. And the tender heard it. They were greatly displeased with the two brothers. <laughs> you're going to get mummy to do your dirty work, are you? The other translation is they were indignant, they were filthy on them. What you send your mum here to go on. But no one understood then because the stalk had just come out of the ground. No one understood then what the price they were going to pay. No one understood, even when he said to Peter, You're going to suffer for me and you're going to. And they didn't understand any of that. But it wasn't until the Holy Ghost came upon them. And the Holy Ghost is the picture of pray for the Lord of the harvest, for the laborers, so the Holy Ghost can come upon us. And then you'll be my witnesses. What, what was happening? He empowered them. People say he empowered them to heal the sick and raise the dead. Yeah, he also empowered them to die. Every one of them died. Whether it was skinning alive, whether it was pushed off a building, whether it was beheading, crucifixion. But imagine if they knew what they were asking and they understood what their destiny was. Do we don't know our destiny right here. We think we do. Jesus is going to prosper us and, and he's going to, I know the plans I have for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you. Beautiful. Fantastic. Amazing. I love it. So all the disciples put it on their camel bumper, the camel sticker. I know the plans I have for you. And then next thing you know, one by one, they're dying. One by one, they're getting sent to foreign countries. And their brothers that they're preaching to are getting put on poles, putting oil over them and lighting them up as streetlights. The Christian had to hide and put a symbol of a fish so no one knew where they were. Was that the plan to prosper you and not harm you? We love the blessings of God. All the blessings are yes and amen. I agree with that. But everything, you want to know the true blessings of the Bible? Go look at every warning Jesus said. Beware. Be careful. Don't be deceived. Go look at what Paul warns. Go look at all the warnings. Because I guarantee you, I have a lot of brothers and sisters, the Lord have a lot of regrets today because they came out of God's covering, came out of God's authority, came out of God's anointing, came out of God's field. And the enemy came and harvested them, chopped them up in pieces. Here, the mother of Zebedee has no idea what she's asking. But you know who's able to keep us from stumbling? The great Holy Spirit. Amen. See, when we are planted in the soil of God, someone asked me the other day about what's the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven? What's the difference? They often say the kingdom of God is Jesus. But if you want to look at it, the kingdom of heaven is a place. Kingdom of God is a position or a way of doing things. They're the same place, but there's a way of doing things. Jesus says the kingdom of God is not food and drink or carrots, but it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's an internal kingdom. But he says that the kingdom of God is like someone who sows a seed. In other words, I give my life. What's the seed? The word of God. What's the seed? We are the word. Jesus was sowed on the earth. Jesus had to be crucified that he could be 
multiplied. See, your death is to multiply. When I die to myself, many will come to faith. My job is, it's like me saying, listen to me, it's like me saying, I want to get married and have 15 kids, but I don't want to raise them. That's the equivalent of not discipling. That's the equivalent of me saying, we're saved by grace, praise God, hallelujah. And we sit and we go idle and there's no maturity and God can't use you. Sorry, he cannot use you. Especially in the last days when the pressure comes, when the enemy comes, when tribulations comes, you can't stand because you were taught that I'm sweet. But you're not sweet. I'm only sharing this not to scare you, but to prepare you because when we know who he is, when we know who the love of the Father is in us, no matter what comes our way, I'm going to stand. I'm planted in the house of the Lord, not just attending church because you can attend church for 20 years and not know nothing, but I'm planted in the soil of the kingdom so I can grow. So when, my, when I was ready to preach and teach, my pastor said, you're not ready. I said, what do you mean I'm not ready? You know, I'm Lebanese, if you haven't worked it out. I'm an Aussie. I'm born and bred here in Parramatta Hospital. I was born in the old Parramatta Hospital. The minute I was born, they closed the hospital down because it was amazing. Now it's a, it's a mental health hospital. They opened up Westmead. They couldn't contain the glory that came out of there. <laughs> Why did I even say that? Anyway. God is trying to plant us in him. Listen to me. I don't know where you've come from. I don't know what background you've come from. But in my culture, Lebanese culture, if I employ someone who's Lebanese, I guarantee you within 12 months he's got his business started. They don't, they don't hang around long enough. And God bless them. But they're entrepreneurs. They want to go before their time. They want to jump into everything. I want to go, oh, I built a granny flag. Now I can build 15 units. <laughs> that's, the, that's the type of mentality they have. But unfortunately, that happens in the body of Christ. They come, they get one hit by the Holy Ghost, they want to run, and no one sits. So oh, I was ready to go. I said, no, what do you mean I'm not ready? Pastor, because he didn't say you're not ready. He says, not your time. Said, what do you mean not my time? I thank God I had elders that held me back because I was doing a lot more than what the pastors were doing in that church. We're having revival meetings at my house. But you know one thing I learned? Not to jump before my time because you know what? This is life or death now. I reckon if I jumped before my time, started a church, I would have destroyed the church, destroyed my family, and I probably wouldn't be in the faith today. I don't know, but it would have been a long road. But I thank God for elders who understood and understood they've been before me and they know what they Most of us don't know what's coming our way. Hey, one guy gave me, I want to start my own Bible study. He said, that's good. Let's do it once a month. No, every week. He's done the first one. I'm not doing it anymore. Why not? Probably they'll attack me all night. Cuz, one, one meeting. Does anyone get saved? No. Nah. Everyone get delivered? No. Nah. Anyone you come? No. Nah. So why did he attack you? Because it's your flesh. You're not ready. So I want you to understand you weren't ready for anything. Because the next day you had a bad day at work, you thought it was the devil. Someone cut you off the road, it's the devil. Said, Bro, you're not ready to do this. Not to say you, do, you won't do it, but you're not ready. I know that's a big extreme. But God's asking us to be planted in him. Because guess who does the growing up? Guess who, every time we fast and praying, it's not that we're going to get better and more anointed. It's that we're going to make room for God's spirit to grow through us so we can learn. Because the first thing he changes is not your circumstance. He changes you. Very rarely he changes the circumstance. He changes you. But he wants a mature church. He wants a church so he can harvest his people. Are you with me? 
It's a lot of things we have to look in the mirror and see. But he can keep us from falling. Yeah, it's not all doom and gloom. But he gives the anointing to the mature, not the immature. I often say, if I love you and you know I love you and I can offend you that quick, what's the devil going to do to you? If, if, if you know I love you and I'm praying for you, but you won't take solid help or instructions or something like, listen, man, you're not right. This is not right. Stop that. Don't do that. Don't think like that. Don't. Do... No, you don't know. I can't help you anymore. I don't know everything. We don't know everything. But you have to understand that am I placed under lordship of Jesus and has the lordship placed elders in my life to walk with me no matter what? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. That's the question you've got to ask yourself. Because God is all about protection. Is he not? Is a loving father going to send you out to be taken out and say, oh, that was God's will? No, it's not. Let's go to Jude chapter 1, verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of the glory with exceeding joy. Who is able to bring you to the Father faultless and blameless? Whose job is that? Through the Holy Spirit. This same chapter talks about false people in the church. This same, there's only one chapter, so if you've got two, throw the Bible out. There's only one chapter in Jude. This same chapter says, build yourself up on your most holy faith. So he's really giving you holy faith. Building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping in the love of God. There's three things that are happening here. I've got holy faith inside me. I've got the power to pray this out. And I've got the love of God coming upon me at the same time. And he's able to keep me from stumbling. If you stumble, it's not the devil and it's not God. It's you. You've walked out of him. You've come out of the soil. You've come out of your calling. Do we stumble? We do. We fall. We make mistakes. But when we keep doing it repeatedly, don't blame God. It's you. Because you haven't submitted to the Father. He's saying he's able to keep you from stumbling. To fulfill the call of God on your life. Your call could be raising those beautiful kids. Your call could be anything in, in your sphere of influence. But whatever God's called you to do individually, he's called us to do collectively. Jesus was crucified that he may be multiplied. If I don't sow my gift into the ground, sow it to the altar of God, it will never flourish. Well, like, you know, I've got this gift, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. You don't understand me, you know how good I am? It's mine, it's mine. You know what I mean? I can give you a list of things I've done in the Lord. You know what I mean? I get wrapped when people tell me they've, oh, they led someone to the Lord, they baptized someone in the Holy Spirit. I get wrapped, and I think, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. I can, if you want me to boast, I can boast, but it's not about me. Because if I think I've done anything, then I'm taking the glory. He only gets the glory. But he participates with us in the glory. Are you with me? Because we, it's up to us to come back to him and to kneel before him and say, Lord, have your way with me. I am not where I want to be, people. And neither are you. And I don't need that prophet to, to know that. But I've got to first be established in him, knowing that how much he loves me. See, the greatest power that they received, the Holy Spirit, was the love of God. They went to their death knowing that no matter what happens to us, I'm going to be with him in eternity. No matter, you can kill the flesh, but you can't kill my soul. 
So the next wave of fear that comes on this earth, which is coming, people, it's coming. What are you going to do? Crumble? Or are you going to stand up and say, I declare the truth that Jesus is Lord over every situation? We can't keep going back to learn the elementary things of God if you want to take on this city and change this world. We have to move forward. Revelations 19 and 7. Let us be glad. Everyone say, be glad. And rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Who's the bride of Christ? Are we making ourselves ready? Because the more mature I get, the less I worry about sin. The more mature I get, I'm not covering up what I'm doing. I'm not justifying what I'm doing. I'm not excusing what I'm doing. No, no, I'm maturing in him. See, some people are at different places right now. I get it. I used to say, I knew I was growing up because when I wanted to bash someone, I thought about it for a month. When I had a fight with someone at work, it's a month. Then it came a week. Then I realized I got over it in 24 hours. I'm trying to get over it straight away. I'm not joking. When you get angry and there's things, but I knew I was maturing, not because I still didn't have offense, because I was getting over it quicker. When the Holy Spirit nudged me, he nudges me as, you know, I I can't think like that. That's the old Tony. I can't think like that. When things irritate you, hey, I've got a short fuse, I admit it. So no, you haven't, Tony. Come on, help me out of it. But I'm allowing to be planted in the soil to grow. Because the farmer says, I don't know how it happens. Some things are happening in your life. Now, we don't know how it's happening. But you're planted and you're hearing the word of God. The word of God speaks of water, speaks of anointing. The word of God, plastic, speaks of cutting off old limbs. Praying in the spirit speaks of God's power come upon you. A seed in the ground without water will die. A seed in the ground without sunlight will die. A seed without... You get the picture here. The farmer digs around that. It's called intercession. You can find better preachers and better atmosphere than here. But if you're called to be here, God's expecting us to grow because it's for the kingdom. You heard the warnings from William Seymour. Can you go back one more, AJ, to the three warnings? They're overemphasis on the power instead of righteousness. Jesus does not care that you walk in his gifting and raise the dead and you're sinning. Jesus doesn't care that you can go outside the car park here and pray for 20 people to get healed and you're disrespecting your elders in here. That God doesn't work like that. I've, I've seen it. I've seen people take people aside, minister to them outside, come back in, take aside, and that, that the end of those people were worse than the beginning. Because it's righteousness. Over emphasis on praise of God and no longer pray. And the third one, over emphasis on the gifts of the Spirit instead of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. hundred years ago, he prophesied this. He says this is the warning to the Pentecostal movement. hundred years ago. How much for, that makes sense today? I reckon I got caught up in every one of them. So I'm not picking on anyone. I got caught up. In, I just wanted the power of God. I wanted the gifts of the Spirit. And that's it. Leave me alone after that. But God's trying to build character. He's trying to build integrity. He's trying to build safety. But not just me, you too. You've got families, you've got friends. Are they safe to come to you? Or do you tell everybody what happened to them? 
Do you go from place to place to find out something about someone? Or, or have you not have the Holy Spirit? When I started my, the movement in Parramatta, still had a pastor that I, I loved. And I, and I would tell him. He didn't ask me to ask him for permission to do anything. But out of integrity, I would always ask him, I'm doing this, what do you think? Go for it. I'm doing this, what do you think? Go for it. I didn't have to ask him, but I knew enough to know about authority. And I knew enough to know about accountability. I knew enough to know that the guy loved me so much that he would speak wisdom to me if I was out of order. Because I understood submission. You know the scripture where it says, how do you love God that you can't see and you hate your brother you can see? You know that scripture. Go on, because leave your gift at the altar and make up, right? And the Lord spoke to me one day and says, that applies to everything in the kingdom. I don't trust no man. All right. I trust nobody. So how do you trust God? What do you mean? Yeah, I don't trust no man for salvation. But if I don't trust my brother Rabs, how am I going to trust God? How can I not trust Rabs, my brother or my wife or my kids or you? Even if you might let me down, it doesn't matter. I've been hurt in the ministry. Hey? But I still left myself vulnerable to be hurt again. Why? Because if I block up now, I'll stop trusting God. <laughs> A lot of relationships today are based on previous hurts they haven't dealt with. So I've got to trust you, even if you hurt me. That's okay. I'm vulnerable enough to get hurt again. You've been used. I had someone, lend me some money. I want to give you some money. Please, I'll pay it back. I paid him. Never saw him again. So what would you do that? I don't know. You know what? Don't care. Because I don't want to be a stingy one day when someone does need it. And I say, no, because you hurt me and you stole money off me. I'm still going to give it to you because you might need it. See how the enemy works? Get someone to hurt you here so you can't operate here. Imagine doing, imagine getting blocked like that. So if I, Jesus says, how do you love God that you can't see, but you, but you want to, you say, you hate your brother, sorry, that you can see, and you say you love God that you can't see. I need to still trust man in the sense of not for salvation, not for who I am, not for who my identity is, but every day I walk in trust because I want to be able to trust God at the same time. Does that make sense? I mean, that guy's going to use you. So be it. Most of the time, God allows it to expose that person. <laughs> and that's a story for another day. I had someone in my meeting interrupted me five times. I said, it's a good question, but I'll, there's so many people here, I'll talk to you after the meeting. I come to talk to you after the meeting, runner. Next week, he came back, he blew up again. I said, let me talk to you after the meeting. Come to talk to him, did a runner. Boys want to bash him. <laughs> That's why I want to get him. We're going to tie him up. We're going to do this. I get really relaxed. He annoyed me, but I dealt with it in a way where, let me talk to you after. It's a good question. I'd love to answer it, but I can't do it right now. He ran. Never came back again. What happened? He was seeing a girl in the Bible studies, and the girl realized how much of a he was. Broke off. Got rid of him. God just allowed her to, to expose him. I wasn't going to justify myself. I don't need to justify myself to him. But I was happy to talk to him after it. What happened? Now, I could sit around and say, every time someone looks at me funny, I better not say that because you might interrupt the meeting and, you know, I don't want to offend you here. No, no, the Word of God is the Word of God. You don't like it, take it up with Jesus. And if I'm wrong, I apologize. But, but if I'm planted in him and I'm growing in him and I trust the farmer, guess what? I'm going to bear fruit. I'm going to mature in the way that God wants me. The full, the corn, the blade, everything comes up. Then you're worthy 
there's something nutrition is coming out. You eat something that's sour, there's no there's no nutrition. But guess what? When it's fullness, God can now use you in there, in here, out there. Don't let past hurts destroy you. Because the elements of life will always come. Guess what? When you get through one tribulation, guess what? There's another one coming. You go up, they reckon out of every valley, you go up the top of the mountain, you think, wow, I got out of that valley. But guess what? They say that that valley, that mountaintop, shows you how big the next mountain is. But in order to get to the next mountaintop where God takes you, you go for another valley and this valley. Sometimes what we think the enemy is doing to us, it's actually God allowing us to go through it. When you know that it's God, it doesn't, it doesn't make it easy, but it makes it right if you know that you can get through. Amen. So the sowing of the laborer isn't just to go. It is part of getting the lost. But God wants his laborers mature in that so God can harvest his church so he can come back. God wants to come back to a mature church. He wants to come back to people that are still not sitting there for the next 10 years, still worried about something that happened 20 years ago. Put it to bed. We'll hope you put it to bed. But don't resurrect it anymore. Move on. There's so much more in life. So much more in your world. He said in a hundred years' time, from a hundred years' time, there'll be a greater move of God on earth than ever. But he can't move until he has a mature church. Until we're ready to contain what God's ready to do. Amen? Stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The purpose of the message tonight isn't to scare you, isn't to say, oh my Lord, what are we going to go through now? You know what it is? It's to say, stay in the kingdom of God. Stay in the soil. Stay planted. And listen, bring your heart right and hope, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. We could break that scripture down 15 different ways if you want. But what God's trying to get to us here today is the work he started in you. If you remain planted, he'll bring it to pass. I love what he says. The farmer doesn't know how it happens, but it just happens. <laughs> See, some things in the kingdom of God, we don't, I cannot explain. I don't know how sometimes I could be under attack. My mind's gone everywhere and then go to sleep, wake up, like nothing's wrong. What happened? God's on my behalf. Jesus is interceding on my behalf. Stop looking at your circumstance. Stop looking at your failures because you you're not your struggles. I can give you a list of all my struggles and all my failures, but I'm not them. That's what I go through. But who I am is a man in Christ, a new creation, a new species. That any man be in Christ is a new species. No longer I live, but Christ lives in me. And some things that we're struggling with, you say, the devil's attacking me. You know, I often say, sometimes I need, I've got spiritual warfare in my life. You know, sometimes if you stop feeding him, he'll, he'll go away. Sometimes we feed him. Like that pigeon analogy. Oh, that's a nice pigeon. Feed it. All of a sudden, there's four million now. And you can't get rid of them. Stop feeding them. And they'll go away. Sometimes we're going to stop. Bible says, resist the devil. And he will flee. Doesn't say cast him out. Doesn't say rebuke him. Doesn't say bind him. Doesn't just resist him. See, that's for the mature. 
When I understand the devil's on my door, well, he's got more to fear than me. Give him nothing. He's going to keep trying. But while I'm planted in the farmer's field, when I'm planted in the house of the Lord, when I'm planted in the kingdom of God, I'm allowing the Holy Spirit who waters it, who brings it to fruition, who shines his light on it, he's the one that brings us to maturity. I was looking for a mature church, not a perfect one. There's no such thing as a perfect church. When they say I come to perfection, it means I come to maturity. Let's put away childish things. In other words, let's put away selfish and, and, and childish behavior, thought patterns. Let's put on the mature man, the inner man that's created in the likeness of God every day. Don't let the world drag you down. Don't let other people's problems drag you down. Because I can tell you now, God is on the throne. Jesus is running this show. And we're just going for the ride. How he does it, it's up to him. I don't know. But I just want to participate in what God's doing. Amen. And the fruit will come. He desires fruit. Jesus cursed the fig tree. He says, it's not its season. Why would you curse the fig tree, Lord? It's not even its season. He was hungry. He goes, no one will ever eat fruit from you again. And it withered from the roots and it died. Why did he curse the fig tree? Because if something is never going to produce fruit, guess what? He'll curse it to the ground. The law of Israel, the law of the Jew was not producing fruit. And it's a picture and a shadow of a type that I've come to destroy that system. I'm going to die on the cross. That fig tree cannot produce fruit. But when I die on a tree, I'm going to produce fruit for you. He's looking for fruit from us. Are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. And that means sometimes he changes things that we believe that's true. He's rewired me so much in the last 12 months about things that I held dear. But that's the way, that's how I was taught, that's what it is. And it's not necessarily wrong, but there's so much more to it. Because, you know, he's looking for people to mature. So when another 500, another 1,000 people walk in this room, are we willing to disciple them, love them? Because with it comes a lot of garbage. With it comes dysfunctionality, brokenness. Are we prepared to set ourselves aside? Are we prepared to go out and say hello to someone you don't know just in case they're broken, they've got no one? Are we prepared to show them the kingdom? The Bible says repent for the kingdom of God. We get people saved, tell them the sinners are going to hell, but who's willing to share the kingdom? Who's going to manifest the kingdom to them? Jesus says here on the, the scripture, he says, he went about, which is, I'll read it quickly and I'll close. The hour come the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground, that's not what I want. Get back to the first one. He was preaching in the villages, teaching their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Listen to me. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And look what the gospel of the kingdom has. For those who don't believe Jesus is willing to heal you. Listen to this. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness. Not some sicknesses, every sickness, every disease among the people. But then he said, I'm showing you my power. He's not even showing you the power. He's showing you the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there's safety. In the kingdom of God, there's healing. In the kingdom of God, there's gets rid of your diseases. Isn't that what I just said? Hello, isn't that what I just said? If you're sick and carrying it and think it's, well, God, I'm not sure if God's willing to heal me. He just said, healed all the sicknesses and all the diseases. 
because the kingdom of God was manifest. He also says that my people are scattered with no shepherds. The laborers are the shepherds. The laborers are the ones that he wants to grow in maturity, the body of Christ. Why? Because his people have been abused. His people have been conned. His people have been trampled on. His people, he understands that. That's a prophetic word for today. The king, you know, the fivefold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the preacher, the teacher, the evangelist, is to edify the church, not to be edified by you. And we've turned that upside down. We're going to get away from celebrity status, get away from the next best book, get away from the next person. And it's not about you, it's about Jesus. Well, I'm telling you, it's stronger in my spirit here tonight. Because he's the one that creates things in the inside of us. He's the one. And I want you to encourage you tonight that someone maybe in authority has hurt you. Maybe a pastor or a priest or a, a bishop or a school teacher or a boss. But I want you to know you don't have to carry that because he's got you planted in him and you're going to come to maturity. Hallelujah. He hasn't forgotten you. And even when the winds come, the hot sun comes, the birds of the air come, guess what? He's got your back. He has got your back. But are you willing to surrender to him and let him guide you into the truth? That's the question I've got for you. Don't care how many visions and dreams you have. Don't care how much revelation you have. Is there fruit from your life? Show me the fruit. Show me what God's bearing out of you. Because that's the fruit he eats from. Because every, every revelation I got, you got, is from him anyway. Every gift I've got is from him anyway. All the anointing is from him anyway. My faith is from him anyway. I'm just supposed to bear fruit. Christ in me, the hope of glory, is conforming Christ in me so I can produce fruit so the Father can be blessed. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we thank you tonight. It's a word in season, I believe. Father, I thank you. If you know me, you know how much of a joker I am. You know how much I like to have a good time and that. But I am very cautious of the anointing of God. I got flipped in a meeting upside down and I fell backwards. Up. Seating that goes upwards. Because I judged one man's anointing. And the Lord threw me, not down, up. How do you work that out? I do not know. I have an opinion and I have a, an idea, but I will not judge another man or another person or another church's ministry. Why? Because I'll have to look after my own one. But the anointing of God is a precious. It has to be protected. We haven't even understood that yet. We think goosebumps and a nice little shimmy is the Holy Spirit. It's not. Because God's ready to pour His Spirit and He wants a mature vessel. And He's the one that's going to protect us from stumbling. God is ready to break through in this church, in this city, in this, in this, in this church age. Amen. I'm telling you, it's exciting times. But He will not move until we're ready. And we're trying to prepare you and myself, Rabs, to prepare us to be ready. It's not your way. It's not our way. It's his way. So I'll give that to you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here tonight. That we're on a journey and you're leading the way. You have risen and gone before us. For you have ordained, ordained our steps. For you shine a light on our path. Lord, we've decided to take the narrow road. Father, you light up our road. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through you. Now, Father, I thank you tonight for everyone in this room that they may know how much you love them, 
Do you know that there's only one true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent? I pray this prayer upon all my brothers and sisters today. Lord, I command the devil to leave them now in Jesus' name. Any attacks on their minds and their hearts, on their families, on their jobs, Father, in their, in their, in their institutions they work in, Father, I come against that in Jesus' name. For the authority of the Holy Spirit will come upon you right now. And you'll be your witnesses, Father. I thank you, Father, that the light of the gospel shines, Father. I thank you for every situation and circumstance that they would place it at the cross and they would go to you, Father, to get clarity, Father, in the name of Jesus. God has not finished the work he started, but he will bring it to completion in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that you are the Lord of Lords and you are the King of Kings. Hallelujah, Father. Thank you, Father. You're preparing your children for the greatest harvest ever. God's interested in you individually. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have not committed yourself and planted yourself, today is the day of your salvation. God is speaking to you. God is a God of order. So I thank you, Father, tonight. Those who are struggling, that you would make a way. For those who are confused, you bring clarity. For those who are hurt, that you bring healing. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We lift up holy hands. We ask you to baptize. Lord, I ask you to baptize them in your love right now. Submerge them in your love right now. Because it's not by power and nor by might, but it's by His Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Give you all the praise, Father. Give you all the thanks. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, bless you guys. Thank you so much. I pray that you really meditate on this message tonight. And... um. We love you guys. We're back here at Wednesday. Um, we will see you next Wednesday. If you want prayer, the floor is open. If not, you can fellowship. But uh, just be mindful downstairs. There's another church. Amen.